Shadowcast, episode 40. This week's story, Caretaker in the Garden of Dreams, by David Talaman. David Talaman has appeared in markets such as Lightspeed, Chiaroscuro and Bullspec. His first novel will be released next year through UK publisher Angry Robot. This story first appeared in Necrotic Tissue and will also appear in their Best of Anthology later this year. So without further ado, Caretaker in the Garden of Dreams, read by Danny Davies. Caretaker in the Garden of Dreams Hunching his shoulders against the bitter wind, Gug Shabeth gazed out over the long field. When he tutted beneath his breath, the carbirds stirred in alarm from the branches overhead, circled once amid the twilight sky, and then returned to their perches to glare down at his tumescent head with belligerent crimson eyes. They didn't fear him. And after all, why should they? They could easily dodge any attack his malformed arms might make. Gugshabeth returned his watery stare to the long field. There, other birds had nestled amongst the crop, their leathery wings tucked around them like cloaks, their proboscises probing the strange fruits that grew there. The scarecrow he'd built was now nothing but a cruciform frame, draped with scraps of greying meat. He was failing in his responsibility, but if they had ever intended him to succeed, ever cared at all, then they would not have made him so carelessly. Every thought, every step, would not be such torment. No, the gods had little time for this patch of their creation, if indeed they had time for any of it, in their wantonness and their cruelty. Still, what he lacked in form did not change his function. Gugshabeth trudged painfully down the mound and onto the field, felt his feet drag down into the ebon soil. The nearest car took flight and circled warily, their tiny faces expressing outrage at the interruption of their meal. When he grunted at them, they dispersed resentfully to wait him out in the tree lane. With all the time in the world, they could afford a little patience. Gugshabeth turned his attention to his crop. Each chi was roughly spherical, its root invisible beneath the earth. Each was translucent, and visible within was layer inside layer, until at the very centre there shone a blue flame that shimmered and flowed. Some shone brightly, others only dimly. Every so often one would flicker out altogether, and in an instant the shell that had housed it would rot and congeal into the earth as if it had never been. Many others showed signs of where the car birds had fed. The outer leaves were split and raggedy or gouged away altogether. From those nearby, Gugshabeth selected the chi that glowed most palely. He dug into the hard earth until the stump of its root was exposed, levered it free and tucked it under one arm. Above, the car birds whistled their protest. How dare this shambling thing touch their food? Annoyed as much by the pain in his gnarled fingers, Gug Shabeth turned his face to the stars and howled in fury, and the birds span skywards in a whirl of panic and charcoal feathers. He glared after them for a moment, 
and then trudged back across the field, the uprooted chi still cradled beneath his arm. Laboriously, Gug Shabeth clambered over the stile that crossed the fence and dropped heavily to the ground on the other side. The path was barely visible as a stain stretching into the darkness. Arriving at the foot of the hill, he crossed the bridge there, ignoring the cloying lap and sugary scent of the waters running beneath his feet. Beyond, the path rose again, but he bent his weight into the incline and gritted his mangled teeth and made no sound of complaint. For who was there to listen? Or to care? Finally, he came to the peak of the rise, and beyond was his home, and the garden that grew about it, nebulous as ever, under the perpetual twilight. Gug Shabeth sat the chi on a rock and stared at it intently until he was sure its flame still burnt, however slightly. Satisfied, he turned his attention to the meat garden. Though it had been here when he'd first arrived, it was he who'd nurtured it, had built his home beside it. While it was his to use as he saw fit, he harvested its produce only when he had to. Milky orbs gazed back at him from beneath frayed pink leaves. Bleached femur branches dwindled to thin tibia and patella. Fingerbone twigs grew in weedy clusters, and everywhere hung clusters of moist red orbs, their thick sap dripping to clots in the tissue grass. Gug Shabeth set about his task. He took windfall where he could, or picked from the lowest branches and from the ground foliage. Still, his muscles ached terribly, particularly his hopelessly crooked back. Yet when he began to work, there was nimbleness in his fingers, and he partly forgot the pain. The more he crafted, the more his discomfort subsided, the faster his knotted fingers spun in the damp air, for once Gug Shabeth had been a fine craftsman, and, though he didn't remember those times, yet some part of him awoke sometimes, and worked marvels. Soon, where he laboured in the clearing at the heart of the garden, there was another body before him. If its dimensions were strange, it was better made at least than he himself. Gug Shabeth stood back with a rumble of satisfaction. He returned to the stump, checked the chi one last time, and saw it was still lit, though barely. He carried it back to the clearing with both hands. When he reached the still body, he knelt over it and dug his nails deep into the skin of the chi, prizing it in two with a sigh of exhortation. Softly hissing, it split like an eggshell, and the glimmer of flame dropped out and into the open mouth of Gug Shabeth's creation. For a long while afterwards, there was nothing but the sigh of the wind in the bleeding willow and the croak of distant insects. Then the thing opened its eyes and stared up at Gugshabeth and screamed. It lay screaming for what seemed an age, but eventually the noise became hoarse and was strangled off with a gurgling cough. Gugshabeth sat patiently on his haunches and waited. Eventually, the thing sat up, glanced fearfully about it, and said in a voice hardly above a whisper, This isn't right. I'm not supposed to be here. 
Gugshabeth, whose sharp teeth were crammed haphazardly into his mouth, and whose tongue was a useless stump, could not speak to answer it. Instead, he stood up and started towards the gate of the garden, and motioned for it to follow. After a while, it fell in behind him. There was an accident, it said. I, I, I remember an accident, and then... Darkness. For a long, long time. Gugshabeth grunted sympathetically and started up the path beyond the gate. The thing he'd made followed nervously behind him, speaking in snatches, not seeming to care that he didn't answer it. Am I dreaming? it asked. Is this a nightmare? He led it down the incline and over the bridge, up the hill beyond and between the trees and over the ancient stile, and all the while it mumbled to itself and asked questions that he had no means of answering. When they stepped onto the packed black earth of the long field, it said, Am I dead? Am I in hell? Gugshabeth shook his head and pointed towards the crucifix at the centre of the field. It gazed back at him with anxious eyes, then crossed over to the dilapidated frame and inspected it warily. Gugshabeth came up behind it, caught hold of one foot and lifted it onto the place upon the lower bar. He strapped it in place with the thong of leather hung there and turned his attention to the other. What are you doing? The thing asked nervously. It made as if to struggle and then seemed to think better of it and glared at him instead. As his creation, it couldn't resist him any more than Gugshabeth could defy his own function. He eased his arms into place across the wide crossbar and bound those too. The creature flailed a little, testing its bonds. Finding it could move no more than its head, it began to wail softly. Gugshabeth wasn't without pity, but he understood necessity, and knew too that his little construction housed a chi that would soon have faded and passed. He had merely borrowed it a while from the order of things. Its suffering would be short and worth one. As he walked away, back towards his home amidst the meat garden, he could hear the things screaming behind him as the first of the cart birds settled on it. A living chi fascinated them, so much so that they would abandon the easy, plentiful pickings growing around them for it. Yet it would take them a long while to search out their prize from its prison of flesh. He had hidden it carefully deep. For that while, his crop would be safe. Soon enough, he would have to build another, another construct of meat with one fading chi nestled within it as sacrifice to keep its kin safe. Soon, but not yet. And for a time at least, Gugshabeth could rest his weary bones and be at peace. I do genuinely envy people that can make things grow and people that are good good at gardening and tending to plants. I'm absolutely terrible myself. I was trying to think of how to describe it. You hear the phrase green fingers quite a bit. I would probably have the opposite of green fingers, but what would that be? Grey fingers? I'm really not sure. Suffice to say, I probably would be the enemy of plant kind for all of the various atrocities that I've visited upon their kind over the years of my feeble attempts at gardening. If you've enjoyed this week's story as much as I have, feel free to tell 
friends, post it on Facebook, share it around Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes, that's always really helpful. And the great news is that Shadowcast is now a paying market, which means that we can afford to help support writers of great stories like the one that you've just heard. Shadowcast will always be free for listeners to download, but one way you can show your support is to head over to shadowcastaudio.com, where you'll find a little button where you can leave us a donation. It's a great way of lending your support and means that we can encourage great stories like the one you've heard today. Shadowcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So share it around, don't change it or sell it, or things with wings and fangs may find you in the night. The music today was from Christopher Carlson, who you can hear more of at ChristopherCarlson.com, and The Contrarian, who you can find at ContrarianMedia.com. Thank you for listening. I've been Danny Davies for Shadowcast. If you'd like to stay in touch, you can find me on Twitter at at DannyDavies23, or you can find my website at thedannydavies.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and take care.